The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Dr. Drayvon James and this is Everyday Peace. I am so super excited to have you here with us today as we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. I want you just to stop if you can and just breathe that in and hold it for just a second. You, peace in this moment, whole, complete, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Just exhale that out into the universe, knowing that yes, it is possible. Yes, you deserve peace every day. And yes, you can have everyday peace. We work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. And we are off to a tremendous start this 2021. And our anthem is, what are we waiting for? Are we waiting for personal growth and happiness just to walk up and knock on the door? Absolutely not. It is time for us to take ownership of our own happiness. And as everyday peacemakers, you know we are done waiting, which is why we gather here every week to help each other on our journey. To start our year, we had the acclaimed speaker and radio personality, Vincent Jenna, as one of our guests. And he shared with us that 92% of all New Year resolutions fail. Absolutely, 92%. And we're here, he gave us some tips on how to have a different outcome on that. We also had the amazing Dr. Kiltz, the renowned fertility doctor, who spoke to us about the importance of living a healthy life on our path to happiness. He shared his findings from years of research on sustainable health. Last week, we had the lecturer and author, Jaja Myra, talking about a purpose-driven life. She had such an incredible story and emphasized the importance of living our life on purpose every day. What a wonderful message and a guide for us on our own path to everyday peace. Also last week, we launched a new segment called Diverse Voices in honor of Black History Month. The goal is to educate and to inspire us all as we seek our own best self. We had Ray Mapp on the show last week talking about several Black inventors who contributed to our current society. What an enlightening conversation that was and a great reminder that we can all overcome adversity, working together as a team and enjoy our own success in life. If you missed any of these shows, don't worry. You can catch up on these and any other past episodes by subscribing to Dr. Drayvon James Everyday Peace Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Or you can listen right here on the Unity Online Radio website. And if you have not completed your free course on discovering your passion, well, 
this is the perfect time to do so. It's February, by all means, the, the month of passion, right? So if you would like to get your free course of, for your free course on passion, discovering your passion, email me at DrayvonJames at gmail.com and put the word free in the subject line and we'll get that right out to you. Speaking of passion and it being the month of love, February, this month shares so many wonderful things. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about ego today and that being the thing that seeks, you know, I love the topic of ego. I'm not one of those people who says, oh, you know, kill the ego. It's part of us. It's part of that whole package, part of the totality of us. And so learning how to navigate the ego is so important. The ego seeks to be the survivor. I always say it wants to be the last man standing. And that's very an elementary uh, definition, but also an elementary concept, right? A very singular concept. We don't want to be the last man standing. We want to enjoy this beautiful life with others. The ego doesn't know how to do that. So it's always looking for ways in which we differ, looking for a way to be the head of something, uh, looking for a way to get rid of competition. And I would submit to you that life is so much better when we look for our similarities, the things that draw us together. Of course, they're different. What would that be if you were all the same? We need spice, right? The variety of spice. And so on today's show, I'm excited to, that we have the brilliant Professor Jerry King. Professor King received his law degree from Harvard Law. He is a professor of law and a professor, professor of Asian American studies at UCLA. Professor King was also the founding vice chair of equity, diversity, and inclusion for UCLA and is renowned for his expertise on implicit bias. Professor Jerry King is going to help us understand how the brain's tendency towards efficient and quick decisions can lead to bias and assumptions that hide the full truth from us. Obviously, we need to understand how our brain itself might cloud our perception if we are to find a true path to being our better selves and inclusion. Inclusion. You know, the more we understand ourselves, the more we integrate with other people, the happier our life would be, right? The more at peace we'll be. Later in the show, we'll be speaking with the outstanding Niet Ridgway, the creator of BOSS, beautiful, optimistic, successful sisters, an organization dedicated to uniting women who are seeking to increase their self-awareness and practice success habits. So we got a wonderful show for you today. We're going to open up with uh, Professor Kang. Jerry, welcome to the show. You may have seen Professor Kang, by the way, his incredible TED Talk. I, I can't bring him on without telling you to please, after the show, after the show, go and Google his uh, Professor Jerry Kang and his TED Talk. So we're here today talking to Professor Kang, and we're talking about um, implicit bias. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much, Trayvon. I'm really delighted to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. Well, we got to start right at the beginning. What is implicit bias and who does it affect? Um, hey, so implicit bias, so I'm a lawyer, as, as you heard in the introduction, so we like to be really careful with terms. Um, implicit bias, you know, it has just two words, implicit and bias, and it's really valuable to kind of define both. A bias is just something that kind of departs from zero or some neutral point, so it's something that's off. Um, and since we're talking about human beings, we're usually thinking about kind of feelings and beliefs about human beings. 
a social psychologist would talk about attitudes and stereotypes. And it's a little technical uh, in details, but I think it's really going to be useful for your audience. An attitude is kind of an overall gut feeling about a category. It could be about dogs versus cats. It could be about deep dish pizza versus, I don't know, thin New York style pizza. It could be about Asians versus whites. So it's an overall gut reaction towards the people, and you kind of have one uh, about all categories. Um, a stereotype is something a little bit more narrow. It's kind of a you know trait that you kind of generalize that some category might have. So going back to dogs and cats, you might think dogs are kind of loyal or cats are kind of finicky. So a stereotype or an attitude that is away from just kind of some zero point, that's the underlying bias. And when we add the word implicit to the phrase bias, it just means it's an attitude or a stereotype that you don't know that you have uh, and you can't find out simply by asking yourself for an honest answer. So if you literally can close your eyes right now and ask yourself, huh, what do I think about dogs or what do I think about cats or what do I think about deep dish pizza? If you can ask yourself and get an answer back, that's what we call an explicit bias or an explicit attitude or an explicit stereotype. An implicit bias is kind of junk in your head that you don't even know that you have. Um, and that's what's so interesting about implicit bias. And um, everyone has it in different ways, uh, in different amounts. And it actually impacts all of us, although the truth of the matter is that some groups have far more negative attitudes and negative stereotypes targeted against them. So those groups uh, will actually have much more of a headwind to confront uh, as they navigate life. Wow. So, I, you know, the, the great takeaway there for me was that this is something that you don't even know that you're doing, like blinking. Right. No one can really count how many times they blink in, in the next five minutes. It's just something that we do. Hopefully, if you don't have dry eyes or something like that, it's just a natural thing that you do. Um, it doesn't seem that it could be as innocuous as blinking, but it seems almost like that. It's implicit. You, you're just doing it without even being aware. Is that kind of what we're saying? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, another way to think about it is, look, you know, uh, you might you might care about your blood sugar levels, you know, uh, and you might be watching out on the sweets or the sugary colas that you're drinking. Um, if I asked you, what is your blood sugar level right now? Of course, you can check some meter. Of course, you can do some prick tests. Of course, you can remember what a doctor might have told you the last time you had some blood work done. But you can't actually feel the sugar in your body. You can't feel it coursing through your veins. And yet it's there. It's real. So it's this idea that you've got stuff in your body that, for whatever reasons, you don't have direct access to. You're being honest, and you're not trying to be politically correct or lying to people. I mean, sometimes we do that. But even when you're honest, you think you're fair and square. You think you treat say white people know better than black people, uh, but you have an attitude that scientists have figured out how to measure even if you don't know it. Wow. It almost sounds like there's no answer, but I know we wouldn't be talking today if there wasn't any answer. Because here on the Everyday Peace Show, we are committed to a path of personal improvement and peaceful balance. So tell me, how can implicit bias impact our own decision making and keep us from becoming our full self? So, you know, I, I can see as you're talking how this this could be something that could really ne negatively impact the other person, but it could have an impact on us too that are, that are having this episode, these episodes of implicit bias. So how does it impact us? 
Yeah, I, you know, oftentimes, and look, we, we're human beings and we're very social animals. Uh, and so that means we have to actually connect with other people. And let, let me give a couple examples. One example is just how we connect with other folks. So it turns out that most of us, uh, even though we think of ourselves as being quite fair and square, so that, you know, like when we think about, say, you know, Martin Luther King uh, um, and his speech about uh, having his children being treated by the content of their character and not the color of their skin, like we're totally, uh, you know, sort of we're totally in agreement. We embrace that. We kind of tear up now. Uh, and we want to be fair and square. And we don't want to treat white people better than black people just because they happen to be white. That sounds generally odd to us. That's not who we are. But it's also true that most Americans have an implicit attitude that makes us a little bit more comfortable with white people as compared to black people. And there's evidence that says that this implicit attitude that scientists have learned how to measure can predict uh, to a small degree. You know, it's, it's nothing's ever perfect, and we don't ever precisely know. But it does predict to a small degree something uh, as subtle as body language. So, for example, uh, you know, I can't see you right now since we're doing this on the phone, but uh, you might be smiling at me right now. And if you're smiling at me, I'll, I'll be pleasant. I'll smile back, and we'll strike up a nice conversation. But if I look at you and you seem like you're not smiling, like I'm smiling at you, but you're kind of frowning at me, you're mad-dogging me, like I, I'm not going to continue grinning at you, that's going to be awkward, I'm going to stop smiling, and then when I stop smiling, you'll start frowning, and when I see you frowning, I'll frown even more, and the interaction will just cycle, uh, you know, in a negative way, there will be no chemistry, there will be no connection, and maybe not even the possibility of a friendship, and there's reasons to think that implicit attitudes actually will alter the rate at which I could actually see someone else from a different group smile, even though you might be smiling at exactly the same time, and you can control this by using like an animation with like you know faces that have been exactly designed to be the same except for race. But even though you might be smiling exactly the same amount in the same way as someone who happens to be white, it might be because implicit attitudes that I don't see that friendliness on your face. And if I don't see that friendly on that friendliness on that face, I'm not going to show it. And so there are ways in which it can kind of, you know, self-sabotage our best uh, intentions. It comes off in our body language. It comes off on our smiles. Uh, it comes off on our connections. I mean, that's kind of a harmless way in which implicit bias could influence other people and ourselves. But anyone who's been in the workplace knows that even though you might be hired because you're super smart and you hustle, oftentimes you get promoted uh, as a function of whether you have leadership qualities, whether you can connect with people, whether you could actually, you know, sell someone something uh, and make a pitch. And all those things really do turn on body language, friendships, connections. Uh, and those things are influenced at least a little bit by implicit bias. Wow. So, you know, you just shot holes all into this theory that I used to tell my children when they were in grade school. You know, they go through that awkward phase and trying to meet friends. And I would, would tell them at the beginning of every school year, smiling is a universal language. So when you get to that school, if you want to make friends, smile at people. But, but it seems that after hearing this, that may not necessarily be true because... Uh, it yeah. You may not perceive my smile, you know, because of implicit bias, what I'm hearing is that you may not perceive the warmth behind my smile, the way I'm intending to transmit that information. 
Absolutely. But I want to, you know, I, I don't want us to be forlorn and actually uh, say there's nothing we can do about all these things. So you're still giving the right advice because I do think that smile is the universal language. It's just that when we say and we think we're treating everyone fair and square, uh, my only point is to say we're mostly good. It's just that we're not perfect. And so it is important to smile. It's important to connect. But if you think that you're receiving all kinds of kind of, you know, smiles, uh, entreaties, invitations, to engage in exactly the same way, I guess the best evidence suggests otherwise. And, and the larger point is oftentimes we just act in ways that are somewhat ambiguous. Like, you know, uh, if someone asks me to solve a problem, I might do it in a way that might seem either smart or kind of dumb or kind of in the middle. If, I, um, if I'm walking down the street in, in a rush and I kind of bump into you, it might feel like, oh, he was just busy and just nudged into me, or maybe it was a really aggressive act. And these ambiguous actions that we all engage in, when we never have perfect information about what just happened, we tend to interpret consistent with the junk in our heads. And some of that is, you know, implicit bias. So it might be the smile in this case that fails to register, even though we should do it. Or it could be my feeling terrified because the person was wearing a hoodie uh, and it's a dark alley and someone just bumped into me or it seems big and it happens to be a black man instead of a, an Asian man. And those are all the things that have consequences. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't, again, connect with people as much as we can. It's just that we have to recognize with some humility that uh, there are, uh, you know, there are things that are, that are getting in the way, and those little things are actually in our own heads. Wow, that that is so true. So, how can we? What can we do to address these issues so that we have a more clear picture of the world around us and the people that we're interacting with? Yeah, I mean, there's no, I, unfortunately, there is no silver uh, bullet or panacea, but there are a couple of things I think that we could really do. Um, and I like to think about, you know, three or four uh, words that start with the letter D. I often think about deflate, debias, defend, and sometimes I even talk about data. So I'll talk about some of them uh, and, and feel free to break in at any time. So let me start with deflate. And since you talked about ego, I think this is uh, really interesting because that's what I mean. We just need to deflate our ego. Uh, we have to recognize that we're fundamentally fallible. Um, and that includes in the ways that we interact with human beings. And it's only paradoxically by being humble and recognizing that we screw up and make mistakes all the time that we are more likely to be fair. And so the more uh, objective you think you are, the more indeed righteous you think you are, generally the worse you do on all of these things. And so the better approach is to deflate our egos, recognize that we're fallible, and then cultivate this internal motivation to actually be, as you said, whole and complete. We want to be who we claim to be. And if we claim ourselves to be fair and square, to treat people as who they are, not what we project on them, then we just have to cultivate that um, kind of internal motivation, not, not to be politically correct, to do this even if no one's watching, uh, because it's the right thing to do, uh, and we are a work in progress. So that's what I mean by deflating mm -hmm. our ego. Uh, that's number that, one. I'll give, that's number, yeah. And I'm going to interrupt you right there, because we do sure, have a sure. caller on, on the line. Oops, I can pick them up. Hello, you're on the air. Thank you for being an everyday peacemaker. Do you have a question or comment for our guest? Yes, I do. This is a very interesting conversation, and it's something that's up my wheelhouse because I have um, been involved in diversity, equity, inclusion, um, 
dynamics for many years. And so the question I had for um, your guest is, oftentimes when we talk about bias, what I find is that people generally um, have a negative outlook on a person that has a bias because they don't understand that that bias may come from experience. It may come from just a lot of historical reasons. And so when you go, when you get into discussions with the person about why you have that bias, it's automatically dismissed because that particular person or persons that you may be talking to may not have that same experience. So my question for your guest is, how do we navigate that? How do we, how, and I know this is a large thing, but how do we get to a place where people, where we value, uh, have an understanding of why a person has a bias? I'm not saying the bias is, 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 is a good thing to have, but having an understanding based on one's experiences, based on one's culture, just based on one's upbringing, how do we get to the point where we can have respectful dialogue about that bias? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's a that's a terrific question, uh, and thank you for uh, bringing it up. Um, you know, and here's the here's just the brute reality about things. Uh, even when people are doing just awful things, oftentimes if you just call them out right out as racist or sexist or homophobic, almost the immediate reaction is what psychologists call reactance. People just dig in their heels, get defensive, and saying, "No, I wasn't being racist. No, I was either joking or I was just making an accurate generalization." or you don't know me, um, et cetera. And don't get me wrong, there's some things, whether it's you know, people marching in Charlottesville or some of the stuff that we saw uh, you know, in national protests that seem outright hateful and it ought to be called out as such. But for a lot of things that are going on, you know, whether you call them microaggressions or other things, the truth is um, uh, connecting with those people uh, with some basic facts and in some ways, the universality of the fact that we as human beings make mistakes and make quick judgments on human categories kind of opens the door for a conversation. I'm not trying to create a false equivalence everywhere that, oh, everyone has biases, you have biases, I have biases, no biggie, uh, let's just go on. I don't think that's right either. But the truth is, uh, that's how our brains operate. And because our brains operate through categories and because we build up the content of those categories through what we see, through culture, every bedtime story, every YouTube clip, everything we see around us, it would be odd if any one of us had no implicit bias uh, on all the relevant categories. And so because you and I are both human beings, because you and I are both fallible, we both have junk in our heads. And once you kind of open up the conversation with that reality, people seem a little, I don't know, less resistant to the idea that we're imperfect and we could do a little bit better. So in my experience, that's been the best way to emphasize some basic facts about how we're all human and how we all want to do better, uh, instead of immediately saying, you're wrong, you're defective, you're immoral, and I'm going to punish you for it. Right. And I'm just going to break in here for a quick second. I want to thank our caller for a tremendous qu um, question. And I hear that is really deflating our ego when we communicate, really. We have just a few minutes, um, and I want to just, we, can, we have about three minutes left. We talked about <laughs> deflating the ego and, um, you know, de-bias. So we want to kind of get to those points really quickly. 
and defending. So in a nutshell, uh, we're talking about implicit bias and how some, some techniques that we can use. We talked about deflating the ego. Could you quickly tell us about the other two and possibly a little bit about the data? I know we're... Yeah, I, yeah, you know, I'll try to be brief. I, you know, law, law professors are verbose. Um, so, hey, the second <laughs> thing is debias. Um, and it's just the idea that, look, if junk in your head is causing awkward behavior, how do you get rid of junk in your head? Um, can you just delete it? Can you just search and replace all the biases in your head? Uh, and, and there's a, kind of a short-term game and a long-term game. It turns out it's hard to. There's some ways to kind of change your uh, biases in the short term, but oftentimes they spring back to what they were, uh, much more similar to the kind of center of mass of your culture. But one truism on all this is um, based on kind of a nutritional maxim. You know how you, people say you are what you eat? It also turns out you are what you see. And if you constantly see people who defy your stereotypes, who are different, and if you constantly cultivate complexity instead of caricature in the people that you meet, in the media that you consume, in the stories that you actually hear about, you slowly start changing the associations in your head. They were built up over a lifetime. They will only go down over a lifetime's worth of work. But that's all that you have to remember. You are what you see. And if you cultivate kind of a mindful eating habit for a mindful consumption of media and also a mindful engagement with complex others, uh, you will slowly start moving that dial. So, uh, you know, that's what that's, I mean by that's a And that's a plug for broadening that social circle a little bit, getting, getting some more exposure Absolutely. to some things, right? So we're going to move Absolutely. on to, to defend yeah, the final thing that I'll say with Defend is, look, if you're ever making a judgment that is based on your gut, like I know smarts when I see it, I'll hire that person, promote that person, that person seems just to be the right person for me. Whenever you're following your gut uh, and it's across categories, I encourage you to stop for a moment and instead think about either checklists, rubrics, decision trees, just put some guardrails on the way you exercise your discretion because unbridled discretion with the assumption that you are always objective to begin with is what produces subtle discrimination. So as the kids oh, say, you've got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. So oh, put oh, some guardrails up. You took the phrase right out of my mouth. We are like, uh, I, I see, you know, this is where you start to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Start questioning that inner voice inside of you. Just you know, throw in some questions in, inside of you. And that makes a difference in how we communicate with the world. Uh, Jerry, Professor Kane from UCLA, thanks so much for joining us today. You have really helped us to understand the cause and impact of implicit bias as we move forth. Remember, this is all about everyday peace, you all. We're working to have a, a world where it starts with us, right? It starts with us. We enter this world as our best self, not our perfect self, but our best self, giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. I love that phrase. My mom used to say that all the time. So this is Everyday Peace. We'll be back after the break with our next fabulous guest. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Drayvon James. You're listening to the Everyday Peace Show. I am super excited about this portion of our show as we have the outstanding Niet Ridgway, the creator of Boss, beautiful, optimistic, successful sisters. Welcome to the show, Niet. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're super excited to have you here. As we're talking about, you've, you've done so many things. Tell us a little bit about what, what the whole boss movement is. And I call it a movement because it's just incredible. <laughs> well, the boss movement is actually getting uh, women together and uniting um, no matter where they are at the time in their lives. Um, so the reason I created Boss Sisters was um, that I wanted to create a place where women felt free to be themselves and open enough to express their inner desires. I wanted to bridge the gap to show women not only that you can achieve your desired success, but um, how to achieve your success. Therefore, I invited women, especially women of color, and I encouraged them to share their success stories, um, the mindset of what it took for them to get there and through those tough times, because often we see the glory but not the story. Um, Absolutely. Like with many women, especially once they become mothers, they shy away from their goals and dreams. I wanted to restore the imaginative um, aspect of life that allows a person to dream and thrive under circumstances that they do not necessarily ref- that do not necessarily reflect the abundant lifestyle that they truly prefer. So I, I actually on- like. I want to just bust in for one second because I actually like that you see you see the glory before you see the story because yeah. everybody everybody there is no success without hard work and there's and there's no life that ha- that is absent of trials and tribulations right and right. I think sometimes we get lost in life and we really do believe oh this person has it all or that person has it all or their road <laughs> is so easy and it's so important that we get to tell that story so people can realize that no yet and still I rise, right? That this is these, this is iron sharpening iron, darling. You right. can't teach what you don't know or what you can't, mm-hmm. you know, you can't lead where you haven't been. So the reason that some of these stories sound so phenomenal and some of these uh, lives look so rich is because they have really, these people have really, all people have really gone through something and they've used that something. You know, in everyday peace, we say that everything that shows up in your life has shown up for one reason is that to bow down and serve you as you consciously create the life of your dreams, your next level of greatness. And you have the option to do that. And that's what I hear with boss is that is telling women that, you know, here, even though you've experienced these things, this is not the end of you. This this is this is the juice that's going to make this (laughs) wonderful, you know, so I just had to, to. to stop right there, because I really want our audience to get that. That's for everybody, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you're experiencing in your life. That thing, whatever it is, no matter how painful it has been, has not come to destroy you, but have, but has come to give you a platform for which you will go to your next level of greatness if you will choose to use it as such. Exactly. So, um, so we're talking about why why you created Boss Sisters. Now, there is, I want to move, because you've done so many quick, wonderful things, but there is this, um, your latest journal, and we I want to spend some time here because I really think that this is going to be a change for women in their life. Talk to us a little bit about Living My Best Life, the Elite Edition. 
Okay, well, the um, Live My Best Life Daily Edition is a 30-day affirmation journal um, that I created so that women can pass their stories on. Imagine having the outline paid for you. Imagine having your great-grandmother's journal. Um, you know, like within history, a lot of our history came from journals. So um, also, like, recognizing the types of conversation that we have with ourselves. Um, noticing how you feel when you think about your capabilities and your accomplishments. And um, my, my journal provides the steps and processes that activate and cultivate the inner you so that you may continuously attract new experiences that lead to enlightenment, self-appreciation, and self-actualization. Um, within the journal, I actually created what, uh, the term of boss mindset which actually stands for um, the success mindset of a beautiful, optimistic, successful sister. We live our today and prepare for a prosperous tomorrow. Um, so one must develop a success mindset by forming habits and disciplines that build confidence, skills, and the ability to communicate our aspirations. Um, a lot of people focus on, you know, their doubts and their fears and think, okay, yes, we do have to heal, but what do you aspire to be? What motivates you throughout your day? Um, a lot of times that people are told to be successful, they're not given the tools of how to make that happen. So the, the tools first start with your mindset. Um, when you're thinking about um, success, a lot of times you become what you see. Um, so if your environment does not have the typical success that you thought, like I once thought of, I wanted to be a race car driver as a child, <laughs> okay? So I thought that was kind of uh, oblivious. I never heard of a race car driver. Um, so that kind of slowly went away, even though I might have road rage every, <laughs> every now and then. <laughs> Don't tell nobody. <laughs> but it slowly went away because I've never met a race car driver, especially a black woman, a race car driver. So that kind of, you know, left my aspiration um, pool. Um, so when we, were you about to say something? No, I, I love what you just said. You know, you become what you see. If you if you have you had that burning desire inside of you, it was there, but because no, nothing in your external world affirmed it, it's yeah. sort of the, kind of the light just sort of went out on that, right? And that's exactly. so important. And you said something else earlier that I don't want our listeners to miss, and it is the loss art of journaling. And I don't know how to mm -hmm. be so lost because I see all these beautiful journals out when I'm about out and about. But this idea, I know when I was in high schools, when I got introduced to journaling, my high school uh, uh, literature teacher had us journal and write down things. And you'll be amazed at what it does. Not not you, but our listeners maybe will be amazed at what it does to go back and read your journals from even last year. Right. Sometimes we discount how much we have grown and developed yes. as individuals because we are not tracking and trending it, right? Mm, exactly. <laughs> you go back and you read the journal from 2019 <laughs> and you realize that you are an entirely different person if you would pay attention than what you were in 2019, right? And, and, and if you don't pay attention, you'll miss the benefits of that new mm -hmm. year. Right. You'll miss the benefits of, oh, my goodness, I was, you know, worried about this. But I not only have I overcome that, I've taught other people how to overcome that. Right. So right. I, I 
I support this Living My Best Life, the Elite Edition um, 30-Day Guided Journal. Uh, the guided part, I think, is so wonderful. And you kind of touched on that about being able to leave a story, right, for mm-hmm. the generation behind you. Let's. I want to just be there for just one minute. What was your inspiration to create not only a journal, but a guided journal? Why was that part so important to you? Well, I realized the importance of having a journal. Um, Really, I came across, um, it was a a blog that I read, and every wealthy person or every successful person, I'm associated with that with wealth, has a journal that they keep up with um, that they can monitor and measure for their progress. So I was thinking, I said, well, a lot of people want to be successful, but how do you track your success? How do you track the fact that you are growing um, mature mentally? Um, not just, uh, you know, because you kind of see when you grow physically, but mentally and spiritually. How do you track that? So I said, maybe we can go back to um, a guided journal um, and, 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 and with the goal of paving the way for others. Um, as I dream it, I do it, and I wanted to record my current mindset of where I was when I accomplished my goals and where I was when I failed as well. Um, you know, I always say look for the lesson before we start stressing. So that's kind of why I created the journal as a sort of a roadmap, you know. Right. Look for the lesson before we start stressing. Isn't that something amazing? I love that. Look for the lesson before we start stressing. One of the things, I and I mentioned it earlier in the show, that I truly believe and teach is that everything, everything that shows up in your life, and in my life shows up for one reason, and that is to bow down and serve us. It has really come to help elevate us along the pathway to our next level of greatness. But we are given freedom, free freedom of choice. We could take that thing that shows up, whether it be uh, the death of a loved one, whether it be the loss of a job, or if it's divorce or whatever, we could take that thing and say, because this yeah. has happened to me, my life is over. I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm going to become this bitter person. I'm going to become a person who believes the world is against me. I'm going to adopt an, a victim attitude. Or we could wow. say, we could do exactly what you're encouraging us to do with your journaling is we could say, you know, I'm looking for the lesson before I start stressing. Yeah, this is a pretty horrible thing. I wish it wasn't happening to me, but it is happening to me. There's that acceptance and that awareness. And this is what I'm going to choose to do with that. I'm going to use this as a lesson for growth. And exactly. um, so, yeah, that that is so important is that looking at these parts of our life and saying this is something that it hurts, acknowledging that it hurts, but I am choosing to grow from this. Mm-hmm. Journaling has so many benefits. I know we've talked about a few. Can you think of any other benefits that our listeners would get from um, not only journaling, but using your particular journal as well? Well, my journal definitely benefits anyone who is seeking to bring abundance into their lives and to develop success habits to help them to achieve goals. Um, I've included my poem entitled I Am, and I've also included the steps of how to create strong affirmations with clear intentions. Um, The thing about affirmations that people uh, sort of skip over is that affirmations bring your attention into the now, it has to be now. That means you have to connect emotion to it and feel it as if it's now. People who feel worthy of something, 
they don't wait for someone to give it to them or grant them permission. They just reach out and take it. So it definitely benefits anyone who feels like they want to grow or create an extra abundance. If you've been in a standstill and you feel like um, you've just been on the, you know, going running in circles and keep receiving the same results, it's because of your mindset. There's something there that you must grow from. So as we go through and we go back and read um, and have our discussion, I actually have discussions as well to help guide people through um, the journaling um, topics. So not only do I have the affirmations, but I have the questions and physical um, activities that connect emotion to the affirmation. Yes, that emotion is so important, right? When you feel something, something happens. And we can think about that, you know, the easiest thing to think about is anger. When you feel anger, something's about to happen, right? <laughs> Sometimes it could just be tears, right, <laughs> if we're lucky. But when you when you start feeling something passionately, you start moving energy. And that is, you know, mm-hmm. you talked about this journal being highly connected to the law of attraction. That is the law of attraction. Once you feel it, that energy is creative and it creates something to happen. I think we have a caller on here for you. So let's just see it here. Hello, welcome to the Everyday Peace Show. And uh, thank you for being Everyday Peacemaker. Did you have a question or comment for our guest today? Yeah, so I had a quick question. As a young person, I'm 20 years old, um, and I have tried my best with journaling, but for some reason I've always uh, fallen off on on journaling. Do you have tips on how to stay consistent as a young person who's in college, juggling work, but still wants to stay in touch with their emotions? Honestly, Honestly, I would say get with a group of women or people of your peers. Um, often, especially when we're starting something new, um, you have to create a habit. Um, have you heard of the 2190 rule? Uh, no. Okay, so we do something for 21 days consistently. That's what starts the habit. And after we introduce it for another additional um, 90 days, that's what sets the habit in. So often we're not able to really do it on our own, <laughs> even though I don't want to say that you can't because you can't. Um, you know, why I created Boss Sisters is when I do, I actually do live sessions and I ask questions and I get insight and I provide, um, you know, my perception. And I ask women, how do they feel about when certain things happen to them? And really dig deep in connecting the emotion. So um, I think that will pretty much help you, especially if you have a busy schedule. We mostly stick to things that uh, excite us or engage us or, um, you know, interest us in some sort of way. So sometimes you may not have a situation that you are publicly ready to speak about, but someone is. And even though you haven't spoken on it, you can go back and, um, you know, retrace your thoughts like, man, she really said some things that I've dealt with, and that will help you with um, your journal writing as well. Wow, thank you so much. Thank you for for calling in and thank you again for being an everyday peacemaker. I love the idea of what you just said to our caller about uh, getting together, you know, having an infrastructure, if you will, where you're maybe doing journaling as a with a group of women, you know, and Mm -hmm. and I'm not excluding men, but I I, I sort of think it's more, you know, more of a woman thing (laughs) to sit down and want to write. But I could be totally wrong about that. But but I do think if you have 
of this mindset that it takes it takes a village to do everything. I I, I yes. believe that not just raise children. It takes a village to do everything. And mm-hmm. the members of that tribe um, come and go, uh, but that's okay. Attrition is part of life. But getting together to journal is something amazing. I remember my mom had a group of women. They would get together and, and quilt. And it was yeah. you know, a phase <laughs> that she went through, right? But when you're quilting and you're talking and you're sharing, right? And that's a great way to finish a quilt because sometimes if you're doing it on your own, just like our caller said, you pick it up for a couple of days and then, oh, your life is busy. <laughs> you put it in a drawer, you never get back to it. But if you had a committed group of people, um, have you seen that happening with, with, the, um, with the Living Your Best Life Elite Edition? Have women started forming um, circles around that where they're doing it independent of you, but maybe off, offshoots of you? group started yes. to just journal for 30 days that seems wonderful I think you just gave me a great yes. idea I'm going to pull some of my friends together and possibly do this because this that sounds like a wonderful idea I know that everyone's life is enriched from journaling and getting that stuff out and a guided journal is a way where you don't have to sit there and say oh what am I going to write about today right, <laughs> right. <laughs> because that's right. a lot of work after a long day right well, when someone's asking you a question and then you know even with our current um, environment where we're sort of sort of um, you know we're social distancing still for the safety of our country and the world at large but this is something you could do over social media this is a positive yes. use of social media getting together over a platform and just asking the question and whether or not you feel comfortable to communicate verbally your answer, but just taking a moment, everyone jotting down their answer and then going on to the other uh, question over a glass of wine or a cup of tea, <laughs> whatever your, whatever your uh, tastes are there. But I think that's a, a great way to draw in more because the whole point of this, as I understand what you're saying, is for us to have a deeper look into ourselves so we can start developing yes. those mindsets of success and I know you'll probably agree with this next statement. You can't succeed at anything until you first succeed at knowing you. Right. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Right. right. I, that's exactly. a model that I, I teach all of my clients. I, I don't, you know, wherever you want to go in life, it'll be more pleasant if you if you go along with you, if you go conscious and aware of yourself, right? And 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 to not stand in any judgment of yourself. So very important. So I know that there are a lot of uh, influences that have led for you to be the dynamic woman that you are today. Can you name two of your favorite affirmations? Um, I know I, I'm cheating a little bit because I know these are in the in the in the journal. But um, can you name two of your favorite affirmations that you have found oh. in your life? Okay, well, um, I'm gonna say my very uh, favorite one is one I covered yesterday. Um, is I have superpowers. I have the wisdom, knowledge, and know-how of when to activate and apply my superpowers. Um, I love to think about and recreate the situations when I felt my most powerful. They say if you've done it once, you can do it again. Oh, my goodness. And that, Niet, I just have to tell you, you're hitting all the, the points right now. You said you like to know when you when did you exercise that superpower? So in order to do that, right, journaling helps you with that. I uh-huh. have journaling that dates back, as I mentioned, to when I was in high school. It really makes me cringe and laugh a little bit. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and so when you when you go through some of your things and you read some of your journals of yesteryear, you realize that in there is some really amazing stuff. 
right amazing things right and because you can when you read your own hand right look at your own handwriting and that's how I, I, I write in mine I don't type it but um <laughs> right when you read your own handwriting and you feel your and those emotions bubble to the surface again and you realize wow right I'm pretty I'm pretty amazing that is you recognizing when you overcame something and you exercised your superpower and yes if you did it once you can do it again right absolutely it's even easier the second and third time because that you know it's, you're all, it's like flying. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's easier the second and third time because you've done it once already, so you kind of know what you know. This is this is where I'm going to rev up. This is what I'm going to feel, and you you have a pathway. You have a history that you've created for yourself, which is mm-hmm. educating yourself, uh, growing, becoming a productive uh, person. And you said your your focus is women, which I think is beautiful. Uh, we definitely have a lot of need. Uh, there still is, and 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 that in the gender of women there still is such a great need to create a mindset of yes i can that still exists and the yes i can you know and it's it goes beyond what i look like what i sound like what i'm purchasing yes i can because i am because i am so that that is just wonderful i'm super excited about your your message how can our guests connect with you well, um, you can connect with me on BossSisters.com. That's B-O-S-S-I-S-I-S-T-E-R-S.com. Um, also, I'm on uh, Facebook. So you just uh, Facebook.com slash BossSisters. Um, you can also Google me um, at NEAT. That's N-E-A-T-C-E. Um, or you can text me directly, um, 910-506-8383. And what is the number one thing you think that um, women working with your, your your elite edition, living your best life, what is the number one thing that you'll that take away that they'll get from this journal? Oh, my goodness. Um, a success mindset and also knowing that we're removing the stereotype that women um, cannot work together, that they're always envious, jealousy. Um, we're removing that in 2021, and we're uniting and saying that we're family. Um, that's what I feel like they will get out of this affirmation journal and start to realize that we all are going through a lot of the same challenges. It's not just you. You know, life is meant to be challenged. I don't ask for the strength to um you know, I don't ask for easy life. I ask for the strength to endure a more difficult one. So, yeah, your, your mindset it's, is going to take you there. Your mindset, and it's so interesting because women are known as nurturers. That's what we do. We nurture, and I always mm-hmm. find it interesting when they say that nurturers can't work with other nurturers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's maybe something that we're buying into that isn't necessarily true because we do. There is this this. You know, we're all different, and, and of course we are different, but to some degree we do have this thing within us that, that nurtures. So I just want to say that I highly recommend uh, your journal, I, I journaling on any front, but this particular journal, Living My Best Life, the Elite Edition, is a 30-day guided journal that utilizes the law of attraction. That's getting in there with those feelings, and I love the fact that it mm-hmm. is guided because a lot of times people do get stuck on I don't know what to write about, right? Right. Because oh, and it's we, available on Amazon as well. Oh, you didn't say that. How do you get it on Amazon? 
Yes, it's on Amazon as well. I have it on um, the Bob Sisters website, but it's also on Amazon. Um, you just type in Live My Best Life Elite Edition, and you just type in my first name, N-E-A-T-C-E, um, and it should pop up. Oh, wonderful. Well, Niette, I want to thank you for being a wonderful guest here today and being part of our What Are You Waiting For? And today we're not waiting for anything. We're going to get in there. We're going to start journaling. We're going to discover ourselves a little bit more and decide that we are here. We're all bosses to some degree, right? We're all beautiful, optimistic, successful, right? We we, we want yeah. that. We, those, are not, those are not terrible attributes to claim for oneself. So we're accepting that. We're standing in that right now. This is the Everyday Peace Show. I'm Dr. Drayvon James. I want to tell you guys that if your family members or your friends missed any portion of today's show, then you want to be um, you want to be an ambassador for our show. And you also want to reach out and do something good for them and invite them to subscribe to the Dr. Drayvon James show so that they can find out about implicit bias and not let that be a barrier to their wholeness and their completeness in their life. They can find out about uh, getting this journal and, and the importance of journaling. They can subscribe to the Dr. Drayvon James Everyday Peace show at Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. They can also listen to this live uh, podcast on the Unity Online Radio website. So do reach out to them. Do that loving. They say it's uh, caring and sharing. So share the show with your friends and loved ones. And again, if you have not taken the creating clarity in your life, this is for passion, right? Creating clarity in your life, the 2020 Clarity Show uh, Challenge, please. It's absolutely free. Get it for yourself. Get it for someone that you love simply by emailing me at drdravonjames at gmail.com. Remembering to put the word free in the subject line so that you can have that for you. Uh, we are super excited that this show has been a hit for us because we're, we're moving forward, guys. We're, we're learning how to develop a life where we're not waiting for permission. We're not waiting for permission to decide that we're going to uh, reach out and achieve those goals. We're going to step out and we're going to do that right away. We're not waiting for permission. We're not waiting for opportunity to knock on the door. We are the opportunity and standing in that space and that power and saying that if it is going to be, it is up to me. It is up to you to create every day of everyday peace. I absolutely love you. This is Dr. Drayvon James. We'll talk next week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.